Welcome in to another edition of the Deep Slam Podcast presented by Xfinity. I'm your host, DP Sidhu, and we got a big podcast for you this week ahead of London. Brennan Scarlett joins the podcast, as does J.P. Shadrick of the Jaguars Radio Network. And trust me, I'm definitely going to pick his brain on playing overseas because the Jags have done it six times already. This will be their seventh home game across the pond and he gives us all the details of what that's like and what the Jaguars have been up to since week two a lot of changes for the AFC South division opponent but first this podcast is brought to you by Xfinity and Texans fans you can quarterback your in-home Wi-Fi network from anywhere on any device with the all-pro control of Xfinity X5 this is beyond Wi-Fi this is XFi, Xfinity, proud partner of the Houston Texans and proud partner of this podcast. Let's get right to it. Brennan Scarlett, he's the host of B-Scar TV, which can be seen on all of your social media channels every single Friday. We'll definitely chat about that. We'll chat about his road to the NFL from undrafted in year one to playing, being a starter on this defense now and, and everything that he's had to to go through mentally uh, to get to this point because it has not been an easy road for him, but he's always positive, always got a great attitude. So let's get right to it. Here's Brennan Scarlett on the Deep Slant Podcast presented by Xfinity. The host of B-Scar TV himself, Brennan Scarlett. Welcome in, Brennan. How's it going? Good, good. Thanks for having me. I love the Rock Boys this year. I feel like mm-hmm. every year a certain position group really stands out as bringing the juice and the adrenaline. Sure. And it's usually DBs. Sometimes it's wide receivers. Mm-hmm. But the linebackers, the Rock Boys, have really come into their own this year. It's what big. what's going on with the energy of, of that position group? Uh, we just got we got a lot of good guys in the room, a lot of playmakers in the room, so a lot of opportunity to get out there and rock out uh, with the boys. And so the linebackers this year are just kind of taking that and. You know, everybody grabs an instrument and, and gets going when we make a play. <laughs> yeah, I think we were talking to Whitney about it. He said it was it sort of came about in training camp. You guys mm-hmm. just messing around, decided to whip out some instruments, and that yeah. became a celebration, which became the Rock Boys. And now you guys exactly. have your own T-shirts. You we provided do. the group with T-shirts recently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're uh, we have a uniform now. Oh, it's a uniform. Okay. Yeah, we we do have a uniform. Um, so. <laughs> It's not just straight chaos anymore. We got some structure to the rock. Boys, yes, you, you know? definitely. Well, what happens to the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle, all black, um, the the um, game day fits that you guys put see the that, rock in? See that is that's separate from the Rock Boys. Okay. That is specifically in the inside linebacker room. The outside linebackers don't take part. Oh, in I that see. Crew okay. Game group um, matching. The outfits. matching gear, unless it's yeah. Rock Boys shirt. Unless it's a Rock Boys shirt, but um, yeah, that's the inside linebackers thing. You guys are so calm and collected off the field, and then you're on the field and you become the Rock Boys. I want to talk about that transition. One day in practice, you know, we watch a little bit of practice. We watch you guys activate, which is mm-hmm. the warming up period, mm-hmm. and then afterwards, the entire team got into a huddle, and I want to say it was Bernardrick McKinney was in the middle and started doing his pregame huddle, you'd think it was a game day and you guys just yeah. were just so energized. Mm-hmm. I find out later that that was a walkthrough. It was not even a full oh. practice. <laughs> but the energy yeah. that you guys bring, like when does that transformation sort of, when do you guys just put on those rock boy hats and really get to work? Um, How about for you, you know, personally? I think, I think just as soon as you step on the field, you know, it's, uh, you know, we train all year round uh, for the opportunities that we have during the season. You know, so, um, you know, you have a lot of built up excitement and energy and, uh, 
you know, the best way uh, to perform it is using that energy, you know, and, uh, you know, having obviously the games, you got 16 for sure opportunities to go out there and show your stuff. But even in practice, like, you know, those are limited opportunities too. And, you know, all off season you train and train and then you get those limited opportunities so you might as well come with some juice yeah you definitely do so you're four <laughs> for you and you came I mean we remember when you were here as an undrafted mm -hmm. and here you are year four you signed the big contract extension before the season started what about those limited opportunities for you because Bill O'Brien says you've done a really great job of taking your limited opportunities and turning into your role on the mm -hmm. team now how did you manage that because now it seems like you're getting better and better because of all the opportunities. But how did you sort of make that jump? I imagine it was harder early on when you weren't on the field as much. Yeah, yeah. I think um, the biggest thing for me is just to continue to grow um, every day, you know, regardless of what those opportunities look like. You know, find a way, whether it be in practice, sitting back and watching J.J. Watt rush or watching Whitney Merciless set, set the edge, you know. And, as a younger player learning and like, okay, I can grow in that way. I might not be out there getting those reps, but at least I'm, I'm learning and seeing the, you know, the footwork or the hands or, you know, the techniques. And, you know, from there, special teams, let me make sure I, I'm the best that I can be and, you know, continue to set goals, you know, best, uh, you know, I just want to be the best out there. I want to win every rep. So if I can do that, I know I'll continue to grow as a player. And then, you know, now on the defensive side of the ball, the same thing goes. And, um, yeah, it's just something that I think uh, will continue through my career, but it's helped me to this point. When you first started out, I imagine a lot of guys who were undrafted say they had a little bit of a chip on their shoulder mm -hmm. to prove, you know, that they were someone that could yeah. contribute on a team. What was that like for you? What did you envision for yourself? Have you sort of exceeded your expectations of where you thought you could be? Or is this sort of what you had pictured for yourself, that you were going to – be on the defense, be a big part of it, you know, yeah. what did you think as far as your NFL career starting out? Uh, I think, you know, luckily I grew up um, with a support system and a, a close-knit family that instilled a lot of confidence in me. You know, my, my parents did a great job of, you know, letting me know that I can do anything if I set my mind to it. And, you know, if you work and prepare, um, you can do anything. So that's how I approach the game of football. You know, I... Um, Regardless of where I'm at as a player, I always see, you know, the the growth opportunity, the potential of what it could be. So, you know, to be where I am now uh, in year four and having started as an undrafted free agent, I mean, I obviously it's hard to expect this to happen, but, you know, this is what I've worked for, you know, and, um, and even now I continue to see, like, I want to continue that con trajectory and you know, see bigger, bigger things. So it's kind of uh, something that I would say I, I, I give uh, thanks to the parents for. You are expected to do a lot of things, both on defense and special teams, like you mentioned. Is there one aspect of your game that is your most favorite thing that you get to work on? I know you had the strip sack against Carolina mm -hmm. a few weeks, so that had to have been pretty fun. You've caused yeah. some turnovers in your in your time on special teams. Yeah, That's is there one play that just really is the play that is most exciting? You know, I think I think you hit it on the head there. I think getting the ball out from play. the yeah from the offensive player and getting the ball back to our offense, you know, so they can go down there and score. It's just that's a huge turn. Uh, in the game, you know, it's a big momentum swing. And you know what they say about Big Mo? What do they say about Big Mo? 
I don't know, but Big Mo, man, he's uh, he's important. <laughs> I think that should you be need, on a Rock Boy shirt. You need Big Mo <laughs> you on your me. side. <laughs> so if you can get that ball out, then Big Mo is going to take one step closer to you. All right, how does Big Mo travel when it comes to London? you got a big game in London coming up. I know you're like a little bit of a world traveler, but yeah. how does that change when you have to play overseas? First time for the Texans to play in London. First time for yourself as well. Uh, so Big Mo, I think, you know, you never know when uh, when he'll show up, but hopefully it's a, it's on the first kickoff of that first kickoff return, and uh, and he peeks his head for the for the good guys. Are you excited about going over there and playing in front of those those English fans? I am. I am. I'm. Uh, I'm really happy that uh, this beautiful game of football is becoming uh, more of an international thing. Obviously, it's uh, it's big here in in America, and uh, I think there's a lot of opportunities for it to continue to grow worldwide. So, um, I'm really excited to be a part of that opportunity. And I think uh, actually having traveled to London this past off season and uh, seeing the people and the sights and just kind of the vibe of the city. I think it'll be a good fit for uh, for us as we go out there. All right. So in the off season, you did some traveling. You also were doing some some video videos, I mm-hmm. guess. Where was it YouTube mm-hmm. or you had a Brennan Scarlet yeah. channel? So mm-hmm. now you've got B Scar TV. You're in the locker room on Fridays doing your thing. Yeah. Um, is this what you sort of? Uh, is this like something that you think you might want to do in the future one day? What What do you want people to see when they see you um, in front of the camera? Oh wow. That's like two questions in one. Yeah. So let's start with what you want. What do you want people? Okay, let, first of all, would you do this? Was this something that you could see yourself doing in the future? I enjoy being in front of the camera. I, I, I do. I think that there's a certain uh, performance aspect to it that I enjoy. Um, you know, and I can relate that to what I do now, you know, playing ball. It's a, it's a performance. But there's also an art to it, and I'm sure you can appreciate that. Like, sure. you know, there's an art to what you do, how you ask questions and how you formulate them and how you get your guests comfortable and mm-hmm. stuff like yes, that. Yes, definitely. Right? And yeah. so I think there's an art to it. So, you know, that intrigues me as well. But, um, you know, possibly. But I, I really just have fun with it, and it's a creative outlet for me now. So. Who knows? When people watch you, because it's a very different side of you and your teammates that they see versus what they see on Sunday. Yeah. What is it that you hope really gets across to the fans that are watching B-Scar TV? Uh, you know, B-Scar TV is, um, as you pointed out, it's it's the pursuit of high quality content. So It is. On B-Scar TV, we want our viewers to see our guests and the guys on the team for who they are. You know, without the helmet, without the jersey, you know, these guys are... Uh, are great dudes they're all so different and uh you know just to be able to see their individual personalities it's uh i think it's a cool opportunity for the for the viewers and the fans to see uh the texans kind of in a more relaxed uh state i agree i mean you guys are having so much fun on and off the field why shouldn't everyone else get a chance yeah, to enjoy it too they should right? take part good stuff all right we hope you have a lot of fun as the season continues best of luck brendan scarlett on the deep slam thank you Good stuff from Brennan Scarlett. By the way, he also dressed up as uh, one of the members of KISS. I'm not sure which one, but the Rock Boys, they put on their white and black makeup and their big wigs, and they practiced their air guitar for a Halloween party earlier this week for Deshaun Watson. And if you're on Instagram, well, you just got to check it out because uh, they totally looked like KISS. Unrecognizable. They got into character and everything. 
And I love what the Rock boys are doing. I hope they can keep that rolling for the rest of the season because what started off in training camp as a sack celebration has just turned into an entire identity for this linebacker's group. All right, so what's the identity of the Jacksonville Jaguars? They've changed quite a bit since week two. I mean, Gardner Minshew is still the quarterback, but that defense has changed a little bit with no more Jalen Ramsey. And what's going to happen once Nick Foles is healthy? Is he going to come back into the mix? Well, we get into all that, plus a heavy dose of London talk right here on the Deep Slant Podcast presented by Xfinity. Here's J.P. Shadrick. J.P., just ahead of our London game. How's it going? Oh, it's great. I feel like I never talked to you before a Texans game, D.P. I know. We, and, we, we never talk. <laughs> we We never talk. And the fact that we're playing each other twice before the bye week and then that's it is going to it's going to feel weird the second half of the season not that I'm complaining but these two teams won't have to face each other after the bye week unless it's in the playoffs yeah well let's let's hope uh well I, I don't know if I can hope it for Houston but hope for the Jaguars that they're in the playoffs that means the Jags have made a nice run here in the middle of the season with three straight division games uh this week of course in, in London and then a bye week and then games against the the Colts and the Titans back to back after that. So I think we'll know pretty quick in Jacksonville at least if this team is playoff worthy or not. Let's talk about this Sunday's game. It's the seventh year for the Jaguars traveling to London for a home game. Um, you, The Jaguars have done a phenomenal job over the years just honing in on the travel plans and their schedule. What does the schedule look like this year and this week for the Jags? Well, the last few years, it's been pretty much the same. Travel Thursday afternoon, evening, around 6 or 7 o'clock, the plane leaves, charter from Jacksonville, and straight into Heathrow, and then we usually arrive at Heathrow 6, 6.15 in the morning London time. Uh, check into the hotel, and it's been the same hotel right near Wembley Stadium the last uh, number of years, actually. I think almost all, every year. The the days prior to the game have been right there at Wembley. Um, check into the hotel, and then there's a walkthrough at Allianz Park, the home of Saracens Rugby Club. That's on Friday around noon just to get the guys' legs moving again and get them doing something. Um, that they do the media responsibilities there at the practice that day, so all the U.K. folks are in for that. Uh, and then Saturday, uh, usually Friday night, there's a couple of events with the uh, the ownership group, do a few things in town with some sponsors and stuff. Saturday, there's a team walkthrough, and then a couple of events for fans midday, and in the evening, a pub party for Jaguar fans. Uh, Fulham Football Club plays on Saturday as well. That's Shad Khan's uh, soccer team in London in the uh, Championship League. They're playing at like 3 o'clock. And then Sunday, it's game day, and here you go. It's a 2.30 kickoff London time, and then we hop on the plane right after the game and come on back home. We're back in Jacksonville by about one one thirty in the morning. So two nights on the ground in London, that's been at least a winning formula for this team uh, over time the last few years or so. Now, the first couple of years, they went all week long, and that was the team wasn't great anyway, but there was a lot of distractions, a lot of things going on. It just didn't end well on the, on the field on Sunday. So a shortened trip. And it's the same routine every single year, and I think that's the home field advantage. And not to mention that there are a bunch of Jaguar fans, too. Uh, but the, to have that routine is key. Yeah, it built up quite a bit of a following there. What's the longest amount of time that the Jaguars have stayed in London? Am I remembering correctly that one year they even spent an extra night after the game and then came back? That's correct. So that was the first year, and that – or was it the first year? Gosh, they're all running together now. So the first year they played the 49ers. I remember the game itself uh, was a blowout, and the 49ers ran up and down the field. Colin Kaepernick 
was running like a deer all day and scored two touchdowns on the ground, and it was 28 zip in four drives. But that was the year that they the Jags left on Monday, got there Tuesday morning, stayed in the countryside out west of town, um, and then came into town, stayed down on Park Lane downtown the nights before the game and around the game. The next year, uh, the Jags were on the road the week before. They were in Cincinnati. So came straight from Cincinnati Sunday night, um, flew over, got there Monday morning, and then stayed up at another resort north of town all week long with a practice field, did all that, and then moved to the Hilton uh, right near Wembley Stadium the nights, uh, Friday night before the game. So um, after that, they've decided, you know, there were two blowout losses. Uh, they decided to shorten it up and change it up. Yeah, you guys are London pros over there in Jacksonville. Let's talk about the Texans and the Jags. Week two, these two teams face each other. Now they're going to face each other again. A lot's changed since that week two matchup. So uh, let's start with Jalen Ramsey because I feel like things are going well for the Jags and Jalen right before that game. And then things just took a turn for the worse after that. Um, He's already played some games out there in L.A. What was the catalyst for that move happening when it did and and tell me a little bit about the Jaguars' defense, how they've sort of made up for the loss of one of their top corners. Of course, all that started in Houston week two and on the opening drive when there was a, a little out route by uh, DeAndre Hopkins that Jalen Ramsey thought that he dropped. And he was yelling at the sideline and Doug Marone to, to challenge the play, and they go through their process from upstairs to see it, and they didn't challenge it. So the rest of the drive, Jalen is yelling at the sideline. He's late to his assignment to get out there. He's angry that that Marone didn't challenge the call. And, of course, later in the drive, gives up another third down reception uh, for a first down to keep the drive alive. I think the Jags held him to a field goal, if I remember right, on that drive. Well, he comes off the field and goes right by Coach Marone and swats him on the arm as he walks by. Um, Ramsey touches Marone. Well, he puts his hands on the head coach. What are you doing, right? Um, so a little later in the in the disagreement there, Marone goes over and is trying to sort him back out. Hey, let's get ready, focused in, ready to go. Oh, there's some players on the on the bench stand up. It's a whole thing on the sideline, right? But okay, either way, the defense settles in. They play a pretty good football game, and he plays a great game against DeAndre Hopkins that day, right? I mean, he shuts him down for most of the day. It's one of the great performances he's had against Hopkins. And then after the game, apparently there's a conversation around the locker room, in the locker room somewhere, between Ramsey and some of the executives. And then after that meeting, there's an official ask for a trade from Ramsey's representatives to the Jaguars. So that was right after that game is when the official word came in that they wanted a trade. And of course, a few weeks go by. He has the, uh, you know, he's got the flu. The the baby's coming in Nashville. He's got to go. And then the back injury for a couple of weeks. And they finally found uh, a trade partner in L.A. that gave them two first-round picks and a fourth. Um, and they got him out of here. And I think over time, you know, the, they never said it publicly in the locker room, but you could tell by that second or third week of him not being available, you know, trying to go practice limited and then – not being able to go on game day, that, you know, I think that kind of wore thin in the locker room here. Though they didn't say it publicly, you can just kind of get that feeling. And, and hearing some guys after the fact now, of course, uh, say that. So I think it's probably brought them together a little bit because they were playing okay at times without him. Yeah, he's a great corner, but there's a lot that comes with that. And in that locker room, they feel like they can play defense without him. So this will be the challenge this week because guess what? Houston, as you know, has fantastic wide receivers and a great quarterback. 
Yeah, let's talk about the other side of the ball with Gardner Minshew. Now he's got 13 touchdowns, two interceptions, and he's broken, I don't know, like a million more rookie records since the Texans faced him in week two. How have you seen him progress over the last seven games? What's changed about about Minshew now that he's got some more experience under his belt? Uh, it's funny. I, I, there's not a lot. I mean, he's seen probably a few more different looks on defense. There's going to be something that surprises him here and there, right, and a different look or a different blitz concept or whatever, but he's still the same guy he was in Houston week two. And in week one when he came in against Kansas City, well, now you just have a little more um, belief that something good's going to happen. Then you had no idea. I mean, who knows what's going to happen with this kid, right? And then he drives down the field and scores a touchdown in Houston. And if it wasn't for the two-point try, then, you know, you go to overtime, who knows? But um, they lost that football game. But you saw a little spark, and then it happened again. And then they go to Denver and win. And he rallies them back from a late score that the defense gave up. And they went on the road in Denver, tough place to play. So he's doing things. He's he's um, He's got great awareness of the scheme and where guys are going to be. He, when he's pressured, he can keep his head up and look downfield. He's great in his progressions. I think that, that keeping the head up thing is really important because especially for a rookie quarterback, I mean, you're used to a guy ducking and, and, and covering, right, for when there's pressure. Um, any flash of the other color jersey, he's going to go down, right? Well, this guy gets out of the way, keeps it alive somehow, keeps his eyes downfield, and receivers get open and make plays for him too. So you have all that combination together. It is exciting to watch. I'm curious how much longer we'll get to watch it. And that's the big debate, DP, down here right now. I was you you're leading into my next question, JP. Nick uh, sorry Foles. To jump, yeah, no, no, you're down. reading my mind. He's it's about that time for Nick Foles. So it's it's going to be a pretty big decision for the Jags. Where do you see it going? He's he's eligible week eleven. Okay, so I think officially it would be eligible week ten, but the Jags have a bye that week. So week eleven against the Colts. So if Minshew comes out and throws for 350 and three touchdowns in Wembley on Sunday against the Texans and gets a win against the division rival and the Jags are 5-4 and four and he's 5-3 and three as a starter, can you pull him out? Uh, well, this offense was built for Nick Foles, right? I mean, so the, the, do you ride the wave and try to get through the middle part of this season with a hot quarterback and a defense that's starting to come into its own or do you shake it up and put Foles in there and hope he's at his peak performance, you know, in a time where he has to be, right? Because if they don't get through the middle part of the schedule, the next month, December won't matter because you're going to lose three division games. Then you're not going to be, you know, the, the, the five games in December, three at home, well, you're, you're playing uphill the rest of the way. So it's really about what gives them the best chance to win the next month's worth of, worth of games. And then they'll figure it out. If they try him and he – at some point does fail and doesn't look as sharp, then you make the move. Because I think if you if you make the move and unmake the move, then you're flopping quarterbacks and you have two quarterbacks, you don't have one. That's a whole issue. Um, for me, I, I'm kind of split. I'll be honest with you. It, it's really tough. And the analysts here that we have on our shows, they, it's you just don't have a feel for it yet. And Doug Marone says publicly he hasn't thought about it. I think that's a lie. I think he has a gut feeling what he wants to do. But, hey, it's a hot hand. And then you got a, a guy who's come off the bench in key situations late in seasons before to lead a team to the promised land. So I, who knows? I, the next two weeks will be just fascinating to see what they come up with with that. It's funny that Nick Foles always finds himself in that situation where even if he's right? meant to be the starter, he's going to come off the bench in December or a time like maybe, maybe he will, maybe he won't for Jacksonville. 
and uh, make things happen. I know the Texans saw him last year against Philly, and boy, does he look good late in the season, i got to sure. say. All right, let's no talk about, before I let you go, Leonard Fournette. We saw what, he, what he's done over the last few years, but, man, he's really having a season. Leads the AFC, ranks second in the NFL with 791 rushing yards on the season. What are your thoughts on the season that he's having so far? Do you think he sustains it for the rest of the year? He's well on his way. You know, the one thing, he just hasn't scored much. He's had one touchdown all year. So that's bothering him, you can tell. He's just a different cat altogether. And I'm not just talking about on the field. That's obvious with the numbers. And and he's leading the league in attempts as well. I mean, they're running him a lot. And he's got a great average. And he's getting good yardage out of production and everything. But his attitude and the way he goes about his day-to-day business has changed. You got to remember the last time we saw Leonard Fournette in 2018, he's sitting on the bench down there in your place, and with T.J. Yeldon alongside him, sitting on the bench during offensive drives. You know he wasn't active. T.J. was, and they were just kind of it was a moping basically. And Tom Coughlin made a public statement after the game, chastising both of them basically. Right, so he's in the doghouse basically at that point. Then he goes to Wyoming to to go with his old college strength and conditioning coach to kind of get away from New Orleans, get away from here, see if he can get back on track physically. He'd gotten a little big, you know. So that's one thing. Okay, it's a good start. Then he gets arrested in April for um, uh, a suspended license and some other traffic violations. Kind of a wake-up call. Okay, what am I doing? Like, let me get my thing in order here and – he said, and he said this the other day, actually, that, that kind of woke him up. So he's focused a little more on everything off the field, focused more on football, and you can tell. Like, he's actually he's a pleasure to talk to this year. He was not great with the media at all last year. Very short, one-word answers, you know, very, very short. Not, not much you're going to get out of him. This year, he's you can chat him up after the press conference. He's engaged he's locked in he's a he's a different guy and i think that shows up on the field too so everything around him is different it's an unbelievable turnaround from last year when there was talk of you got to get this guy out of here right well now it's what would they be without him they wouldn't be four and four i I could tell you that even with what gardner Minshew's doing it's a dramatic turnaround and it's i think it's saved at least the first half of the season and I, i don't see any signs of it slowing down yeah, it's amazing how he's really turned his position and uh, what he's been able to do in just one year. I, I do remember last year he missed a lot of games with the injury, yeah. had a rough off season, didn't know how much longer the welcome out was going to be rolled out for him in Jacksonville. So he got in a fight during a game. He That's true. <laughs> went to Buffalo and is punching Shaq Lawson without a helmet on. Like, what are you doing? You know, it's just dumb things happened last year, and that's just the maturation process. And and he's the first one to tell you that. All right, good stuff. JP, we're looking forward to seeing you out there in London. Safe yeah, travels, and uh, we'll catch up over there across the pond. Sound good? Sounds great, DP. Thanks for having me, as always. Well, I cannot wait to experience Wembley Stadium for myself and to see what that's like. I've heard so much about it, the fans, the atmosphere, being in London. I'm actually, I've been asked to be on a BBC Radio Network interview on Friday after practice, and apparently everything in London takes about an hour and a half to get to, so... I'm going to be racing around town, but I really, really hope that I can make it because I've grown up listening to the BBC, and so it'd be really cool to be a part of that. So, And and checking out London and all the traveling Texans um, that are overseas already. They've been traveling since last week from what I've been hearing. So they've probably got their lay of the land in London right now, and we will 
do the same. So we'll have all the coverage on HoustonTexans.com. Just follow us on social media. Follow me at a Deep Slant on Twitter um, and on Instagram. I'm going to try to post some stuff as well. Once we get over there, the team flies out Thursday night, arrives Friday morning. They practice Friday. Saturday's a walkthrough. Sunday's the game. Um, and then they turn around and come back home. We turn around and come back home uh, early Monday morning and have a few days before we get into the bye. So that's all coming up in the next few days. But that's going to do it for us for now. Check out HoustonTexans.com. And, hey, be sure to like, subscribe, wherever podcasts are available. Appreciate it. Uh, Thank you so much. And as always, go Texans.